Hey Wizards, V.E. Griffith here with a quick introduction to this special episode. In this show, we're going to give you a peek inside a coaching session with guest Elizabeth Wood, who this year is attempting her very first NaNoWriMo with her very first long-form work. Over the course of NaNo, we're going to check in with her and coach her through the challenge using the three-story method and see how she feels about her story as it comes together. You'll get a ringside seat as these bonus episodes come out. We want to do them weekly, and you'll get them on the podcast and YouTube feed in addition to our regularly scheduled episodes. For a few of you, this one is a repost. That's because in the first edition, I totally messed up the audio starting at about the 13-minute mark. I threw away the old work and completely redid the episode from the original recordings, and things should be fixed now. I apologize for my error. I promise it will not happen again. It's too much work to do it twice every time. As always. You can find show notes, links, transcripts, and rubrics at revisionwizards.com. You can support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar per regular episode at patreon.com slash revisionwizards. And we always love to hear from you with questions, comments, and feedback. And with that, here we go. Welcome to the Revision Wizards podcast. I'm Ms. Catherine M.H. And with me over there is V.E. Griffith. And today we have a... Do, am I calling you Elizabeth? Did you want to be called? What would you like to be called? Who are you? Welcome. Joy and Hi. Hello. <laughs> Tell us your name and your pronouns. <laughs> I'm Liz. Uh, she, her. Thank okay. you. Okay. So we are doing a coaching session with you today. So I am super excited. So with my clients, I either know what I'm getting involved in before I have a coaching session, or they just come to me and I'm like, cool, throw it all at me and I will help you out. So which kind of version are you today? Do you have some idea of where you would like things to go? Or do you want me to just start spitballing questions at you? Um, well, the big thing that I'm looking for is possibly some help with uh, world building. I heard that you're kind of like the queen of world building. So I wanted to pick your brain a little bit and see what you had going on. I, I'm really good at taking kind of templates, worlds that are already created, and then running with that, creating my own stories on them. Um, right now, I'm writing for the November challenge um and i've got a story that i've cooked up years ago that i'm actually trying to flesh out and write but i want to stray away from what it was based on and actually create my own world around it so i'm hoping that you can kind of help me there possibly sure um do we have a genre idea so <clears throat> when i say that i don't mean you have to like really nitty-gritty are we talking fantasy as in like, we've got magic, I've got like dragons, I've got fairies, sci-fi. What, where are you envisioning your world like? So the world that I'm working on, it's a fantasy uh, world, uh, mostly geared toward like necromancy, undead. We got kind of um a positive light thing drifting off into darkness and then um we're trying to bring back or bring back the life into the world that's awesome okay loving it just writing notes sorry <laughs> okay okay so tell us briefly about your protagonist 
So my protagonist, um, the she's sort of a she's sort of a uh, I'm broken right now. Hold on. <laughs> so my protagonist is she's a light priestess, um, kind of raised to. I really don't know how to explain this. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. So she's a light priestess. Okay. Um, what about age? What are we looking at age-wise? She's closer to about 23. Okay. Um, if you were to she's describe to about 23. her... Describe her as if you're describing her to someone who is blind. So how would you... Is she tall? Is she thin? Is she... Um, like skeleton is she would you consider her pretty what what description would you give to her to describe it to somebody so with her i'd describe her as being blonde she's about uh, probably five one five two um kind of small bit meek um but she's really into learning uh she absolutely loves hitting the books, doing magic. Um, she is really curious about the world and what it can possibly do. She's got a sense that she's being sheltered and she wants to break out of that. Okay. And what's your antagonist or force of antagonism here? I've actually got a couple and I, I think that I'm struggling right there. Um, death really is a big one um there is somebody who is very close to dying they have a disease that's causing them to ultimately meet their end and she's trying to keep that from happening and she ends up approaching somebody who his his entire uh career has been spent uh, managing death and how to avoid it and how to bring it and control it. Okay. So is death um, an actual character, a physical character, or is it just like an element almost? It's an element and sort of an idea, I think. Okay. All right. So if you were to step into this world so your main character walks outside of their house what would we be seeing uh mostly you know kind of everyday like the earth but um slightly more slightly brighter you can kind of feel the aura of magic around you it breathes um in and out of the trees and the ground and everything in the air um okay and now this is how it always is or is this being dimmed because of the death that is happening around this is how it always is for the most part okay. death really um there story short there there was an invasion that has long since been over. Been over. It's about uh, twenty years since that happened, and um, there were some casualties that continued to survive after the war was over. Um, they're basically called the immortals. So they're dead, but they're 
they're basically undead um walking around <laughs> uh living lives as normal and um right now what's happening is they are starting to disappear one by one they're either getting sick or they are struggling to see what the point is so um i forgot actually where i was going with that i'm sorry no that's cool i'm i'm getting actually quite a bit so <laughs> okay what um what level of technology are we dealing with are we doing lord of the rings kind of horses and you know pull carts or are we doing something more modern than that are we somewhere in between okay um i would say if it's not a steampunk world but it would be kind of on that level where you have the vintage meeting with the modern okay that sounds like it's right up Catherine's alley <laughs> i'm trying to like think of which ones that would be i'm wondering if it's more like regency or if you would I'm trying to think okay so scratch that part what do what kind of culture are we looking at? If you were to base it off of one of the ones that we have here in, you know, our world, what culture would you say it is similar to? That's an excellent question. It's kind of its own. Um, okay. So to expand more on that, like what kind of clothing would people be wearing? What are the colors that would represent these people? So like example, I hadn't really thought too much about a... that. Sorry. Okay. What would you I hadn't really to thought too much about it. Yeah. So now we can brainstorm some of it. <laughs> what would you like your characters to be wearing? What do you picture her dressed in when you picture her? I, uh, you know, I imagine them being dressed um, actually pretty thickly I, I hadn't really imagined that it would be cold but they'd be kind of you know bundled up um possibly uh not necessarily robes i i guess sort of like a greco-roman style um mixed with like medieval you know it's like even strangers that i've seen stuff like that before <laughs> um mm -hmm. there is a group that i go to this viking um establishment and part of them dress in a mixture of viking clothes on top of like their robin garb it's super strange yeah. but it works really well <laughs> okay so what colors would you imagine seeing your everyday person in so these aren't like the priests or anything like this this is what mm -hmm. if you woke up in this world and you walked outside what are you wearing what colors are normal to be seen kind of brown red purpley colors um things that are more earthly muted um not a whole lot of bright colors really unless you get into like the mages where they're probably wearing a lot more color do the colors that people wear have any cultural significance not really no okay so let's look at your social world so do you have um 
a system set up for if you are female, this is what happens. If you are male, this is what happens. No, it's um, it's mostly equality. I mean, there are some there are some gender roles involved in that. Um, again, because some of the technology is limited. Um, but there it's it's equality is a big thing in in this this time period you know anybody can do anything they want regardless of uh what gender they are um how old they are um age is something that's especially with the mages and um the magic that is available age um is not a concern um they've been able to extend their lifespan quite a bit um so they can do pretty much whatever they want at any age <laughs> okay so then that brings me to are you their social and like economic statuses so do you have yes. there's poor people okay so describe a little bit of that to me um well, you know, it's you. You definitely have, you know, your beggars. You have your, um, you have, you know, there's pirates. There's um, <clears throat> um, warrior classes that kind of walk around and make themselves known, kind of get involved in the the day to day every once in a while, make a fuss. Um, you have. Um, all kinds of all kinds of stuff um i guess it's really hard Do for me you to have explain a government system like uh, slightly i had i don't have it really fleshed out um i don't really have it fleshed out um there there is sort of a mage government um that um they handle quite a bit of magic and and law are kind of bound together because magic is just in the air constantly um they live it breathe it everybody does magic um so they have to govern with it if that makes any sense nice that brings me to the next important question magic start describing your magic it doesn't matter if you word vomit at me i will keep up with you just start describing any of the points anything that pops into your head at all go for it so magic is very strongly based in the elements uh, not only of the planet that they're on but also of the universe itself so you have uh you have light you have um you have shadow magic you have the uh, well, not the void, but you have a void entirely where there is no magic. Um, you have uh, nature magic, which encompasses, you know, earth, wind, fire, air, water. Um, and it's kind of like um, really on this on the side, its own thing. Um, you also have uh, blood magic which is considered to be in opposition to nature magic. Um, I haven't really dove too deeply into those details, but it is kind of a big part of my story. So I really do need to. Um, 
you have um, all of these uh, different forces working together. And part of the part of the thing that um, comes to a head in the story is that they have researched all of the positive sides of magic um, and kind of gotten to the point where they have maxed out on what they can do with it. So they actually need to start using alternative forms of magic or darker magic to kind of beef up their, their positive sides. Um, and there is a lot of theorists trying to figure out how to do that. That is awesome. Okay, that brings me to two questions to think about. First of all, um, if you have a if you have a light side and a dark side to your magic, what's the penalty for using the dark side? What's the downside there? So there. <sighs> There's, there's a few, there's, there's not a whole lot, um, as far as the government's concerned, there really isn't a whole lot of, um, penalties if it's really severe and causes a problem as a whole, um, they can put you on trial and depending on how many, you know, if there were lives lost or, you know, if you destroyed half of the planet, well, they they might um, decide that you shouldn't be there anymore. <laughs> but most of it is, um, I guess it's quite a, sort of a, a karmatic system. Does that make any sense? Um, you know, if you, if you continue to use this negative magic, eventually it's going, it, um, uh, it's going to kind of eat you alive, I guess, um, is the best way that I can describe that okay so there is some sort of a an existential or or sort of bodily penalty if you keep it up yeah bodily uh spiritually um okay it's kind of an ebb and flow yin and yang thing if you um if you're using dark magic um eventually all the light's gonna leave you <laughs> you'll lose your okay. mind you'll lose your life you'll lose your soul okay what about a limiting factor in the magic? In most magical systems, there is some kind of, there is something that limits a mage to how much he can work in a day or in a time period. Um, in video game terms, it would be you run out of mana. Um, right. In, uh, you know, in some systems, it's just that it's physically taxing and eventually you wear out. Right. Uh, physically, and you've got to sleep or you've got to rest. Or right. in Dungeons and Dragons, you memorize your spells, you have a maximum capacity, and when you use the spell, it goes out of your memory and you have to do it again. Mm -hmm. What What is your limiting factor? Really, type and energy. Um, okay, so physical limitation? Yeah, physical limitations. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So you've talked about magic, you've talked about um, some other things. You've mentioned a few times spiritualism, but now I'm wondering, do you have a religious system in your book or is it like a spiritual system? What besides magic moves people? Well, they're not entirely certain really what happens with the soul. They do know that they have one. Um, they don't believe they're, they're definitely polytheistic. Um, 
and there doesn't seem to be any one answer one way. So there are some that believe in the afterlife. There are some that believe soul is a bunch of fooey because, you know, they, they, they do see magic, but they don't believe in an internal soul, soul per se. Um, I hadn't really thought about that too much. They do believe in the existence of a soul. But past that point, they're not very religious. Most of them, they worship the light. Um, cool. So that leads me into the segue then. I was going to say, because your main character is a light priestess. So what does that mean? What does it mean for your character? What does it mean to the culture that is around her? Um, well, the big thing is they believe that the light, um, the light is healing. They are there. She's serving a particular set of gods, um, more for, not necessarily for the afterlife, but for now in the present, um, kind of a common greater good deal. Um, hadn't really fleshed that out very much. Um. So that'll bring me to my other question. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, necromancing. You've mentioned it now. What does this yep. have to do with your magic system? And where does it come into play in your culture and society? So you have some people who believe in a soul, some people who don't. You have many that will worship the light. You have people who think that that is the way to go negative magic can impact you and it can kind of consume you. So where does necromancy fall into this? Necromancy, um, I guess that kind of falls mostly into kind of the power dynamic, those who crave more power um, start doing, uh, necromancy is kind of, between what we would call shadow and uh, blood magic. And um, it has a habit of kind of driving you insane um, in order to create the undead, you have to rip away the soul and then you animate them with blood magic. Um, you're doing good. I'm getting a lot, so you're good. <laughs> yeah, so the, uh, the outline for this story, I kind of came together in about mm, four days. So it was more of a hint, and I haven't quite fleshed it out. Some of the, um, some of the magic systems I had focused on a little more uh, to kind of get the story to work. <laughs> But I hadn't fleshed it out very much. Uh, as far as necromancy goes, um, it's just a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you've mentioned that you have a bit of a plot. Do you want to tell me um, a little bit about your story? If you were to word vomit at me, you don't have to tell me your plot if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. 
Um, the big one that I like to ask people is, what do you think is the climax of your book? If this was the movie, it's like the holy shit, I've waited this entire moment for this. What do you think that is of your story? Uh, well, so the story uh, basically begins with this uh, priestess. She's going about her day, just kind of chilling when one of the immortals walks in. He is diseased. They can't seem to necessarily figure out what's going on. Eventually, they realize he's actually dying. Um, they have not come across this before, so they don't necessarily know how to heal him. Um, so we have our light priestess, who is extremely intrigued. She likes this guy. Um doesn't really know why but she does like him him? there's something about him that intrigues her she respects um he you know he's an immortal he's fought in wars he's basically a warrior so yeah she kind of likes likes him but not like that (laughs) at least not yet she um I think she's kind of baffled because she's been able to heal anybody that comes in And now she's presented with an immortal. Um, Light isn't going to work in healing him. Nature magic isn't going to work in healing him. And she does not have experience in shadow magic. Um, Knowledge in blood magic has been greatly destroyed because of a war about 20 years ago um, that uh, very nearly destroyed the world. Um... So she goes looking for answers. Um, now this particular immortal doesn't really want to live. Um, <laughs> he's kind of done. He's like, just please, just let me die. <laughs> I'm okay. Just let me die. I'm done. Um, she kind of refuses to accept this answer. I think she really, really, really just wants to fix it. So she does some some research. She goes to a library. She meets a character. He's a librarian. And um, he spent, uh, it's a while before she actually figured this out, but he, um, uh, for about 300 years, has been practicing many, many schools of magic. He made it his life's pursuit to gain as much knowledge as he possibly could um, and kind of became like the theoretical physicist of the day. He was like the kind of like the Stephen Hawking and Einstein all rolled into one as far as magic goes, but he was also kind of crazy. So he was kind of delegitimized, I guess. Um, He went off the deep end, started practicing necromancy and uh, was eventually arrested for it. Uh, he was brought up on trial because he did actually sacrifice quite a few people in the pursuit of learning this magic. Um, and he was, um, sentenced to execution. So very shortly before his execution, he was, uh, approached. They said, Hey, uh, so we've got this thing happening. We kind of need your help. We know that you have, uh, a lot of experience with the magic that's causing it. We we need you to to help stop this invasion. Um, so we'll give you a pardon and a new identity if you help us stop the invasion, or you can just 
die. <laughs> uh, so in the interest of self-preservation, he decides, hey, so yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm going to take that pardon and become a librarian. I really do need a timeout. I've spent the last, you know, 250, 300 years causing a lot of chaos. I probably should just retire and have some peace and quiet for a little while. So he becomes basically a hero. He is assigned a new identity as a librarian and um, is basically banned from doing magic. Well, this brings my, my priestess into the picture. She goes to the library to try to do some research on this, this magic that can help bring this immortal back to life, basically, or heal, heal this immortal from his disease. Um, so there have actually been a couple of different which ways that this can happen. And that's another thing that I struggle with right now is like, which, which one should I go with? But um, she ends up finding out what his identity is, who he is, um, and she convinces him to train her in the magic. Um, he reluctantly agrees to do so. And then uh, once uh, after he agrees, he's basically said, this man doesn't have enough time, so I'll perform the ritual I will train you, however, to do this magic in the future because we are going to start having more immortals coming in. You're going to need to know what to do. So he starts training her in the magic. Um, that's the uh, at least the end of, or closer to the end of this book. He does end up healing this warrior. Um, she starts realizing, or she starts realizing that she really does like this guy. So they end up going out on a date afterward. And that's kind of where that particular story ends, but it does continue way farther. Um, eventually, uh, this librarian necromancer starts taking over the world again because <laughs> he warns her, hey, if you get me started, I'm not going to stop. I'm, you know, I love magic. This is what I need to do. I'm not a librarian. That's it. Once you get me started, I'm not going to stop. And he starts taking over the world. <laughs> she eventually loses her mind. She becomes a shadow priestess. That's not in this book, though, right? No. Okay. All right. So then for this book, I have a few questions. Yes. How does she know that she needs to start researching blood magic based on this immortal coming in? She doesn't. She doesn't actually find out about it until she meets the librarian because she's really, she's realized that she's at, she's at the point um, where the magic that she knows isn't going to work. So she ends up going to the library trying to find the answers, but she's encountered this librarian who knows pretty much everything there is to know about magic. And he's like dropping little hints on her as she's there. <laughs> Um, so she's actually kind of going back and forth between the immortal and the librarian, trying to convince the immortal to actually live. <laughs> she's like, hey, you know, you have gone through all of this. Now it's time for you to actually live your life because it's been stripped from you. Um, and then she ends up going back to Dragon. She's like, I don't. I don't understand, but you keep telling me these things. What is it about you? She does a whole bunch of research into him, basically, and then confronts him with it. 
So she ends up finding out through the librarian that blood magic is the way that she needs to go. And the only way that she knows that she's going to be able to do that is through him. Gotcha. So another thing, is it part of her character where it's almost a pride issue that she won't let this guy die? Like, he's like, please just let me die. I don't want to deal with this. And she's like, no, I'm going to like kind of go against all of your wishes for almost yeah. selfish reasons. Yeah. And it really wasn't until I got to that point in the story that I realized that that's what was going on with her. I'm like, she's really not as, you know, sweet and innocent as she seems. <laughs> I think that she thinks that way. Yeah. That she's, you know, altruistic and all of that. But honestly, I think it's more of a selfish thing on her part. So you're writing more of a fall of a main character where they they start off being more on a good side and eventually it's almost like them becoming the bad one because you sort of I think it's at least in the in the initial book I don't I don't really know I mean maybe but she grows quite a bit because she gets to a point where it's kind of like a pendulum. She she goes from one to the center. She kind of swings back and forth after the first book. And then finally she swings all the way to the other side. So yes. Um, but as far as the first book, no. Because she is able to ultimately cure him. You know, the the immortals like, hey, yeah, I think it actually could be cool to go home and have a farm <laughs> and, you know, do all the things that I should have done while, you know, uh, uh, before the the invasion occurred. Um, she ends up, you know, ultimately carrying him. She ends up getting the guy for a minute and then things happen later. So which guy? <laughs> because it almost sounds like the librarian is the dude that she gets with not the immortal no no it's the immortal she gets she ends up with him how does she find the library is this like a well-known library it's like hey anybody yes. can research magic and learn all of the stuff yes it's the main library in um in town yes that's a big city they live in so it's it's the main hub for the city um and the library it, it includes quite a bit of magic yes um it has a lot of antique books a lot of vintage books it's got a lot of knowledge on pretty much anything that you would need to know that is permitted i guess so why is she allowed to just read did you say forbidden or just permitted that's permitted Okay, I was about to be like, well, then why is she just allowed to research? <laughs> okay, so what would you say is her big hurdles? Because, I mean, she can walk to the library. She meets a dude who's pretty much already going to be like, yeah, sure, I'll help you. What do you think? Mm, no. Causes... So, no, okay. So Her big hurdle would... really is getting access to the knowledge. Um she she does make it to the library but all of that information has been destroyed since the war so there is not at least public public knowledge there are there are some people within the higher mage circle that they know blood magic they they are aware of 
what it can do. And there are some people that are knowledgeable in it. But as far as public knowledge, because it nearly destroyed the earth, they have just either destroyed it or made it very, very difficult to get. And it actually, a lot of the information that she's looking for isn't available in that library. And there isn't anywhere that 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 Dragon could or even would point her to to find it. So her her path of least resistance really is through him. She finds out kind of through her discussions with him. Cause again, she's kind of going back and forth uh, with him dropping hints because he's just a jerk <laughs> that um, he knows what's going on. Um, she kind of figures that out and ends up discovering that he is the one that she needs to be talking to. Now, does she train with him against somebody's wishes, or is that with somebody's blessing? His own. So she ends up modifying. So he's he's put on parole. Again, he's given a new identity. He is granted a pardon, but he's still on parole. He's not he's not permitted to actually perform any magic. So she approaches uh, the courts to try to modify his parole against without him being present or his consent um and she basically forces his hand and teaches uh forces him to teach her how to do magic or blood magic anyway so i know that this is something that keeps coming coming through to me um and i know that um that you are at least minimally familiar with the with the three c's conflict choice and consequence do you have a sense of for your for your full story, what they are. There's a lot of them going on. (laughs) So no. (laughs) Okay. No. (laughs) I'm still actually going through the outline and, you know, this has actually been my biggest problem is that, you know, I have a sense of, I have a sense of the story. I really, you know, I've got a bunch of scenes that I've I've thought of for a really long time. I can kind of string them together, but I don't have anything that's fully fleshed out as far as, um, you know, the three C's. For a lot of people, the hard one to come up with is the choice um, to understand what the character, because if you don't have a if your character isn't making choices, they're just sort of bouncing through the story and they're not doing anything. They're reacting and they're not acting. And so you want your reader wants to be taken on a journey by a character who's making choices. Um, Can you see in your head what the climax is and what the major choice, the the gut wrenching choice that she's going to have to make, who's going to live, who's going to die, that kind of, that kind of level of choice. Can you see something like that? Um, well, you know, the big choice is um, obvious uh, t- to me really is the choice to uh, to use blood magic in general and the to- choice to, to train. Um, it's kind of one of that moment where there's actually a lot of different choices that she's making at the same moment, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Or at least a lot of different decisions, you know. Yeah, it does. Um, she's she's realizing at that point that she's willing to do anything for this, and that she has 
kind of screwed this guy over <laughs> while doing it, but she doesn't care. Um, so, you know, does she, does she do the right thing? Does she do the wrong thing? And is it actually wrong? <laughs> okay. All right. And uh, approximately what point in your book does, do you think of as that choice being made? Um, I think that that's when she's actually presenting him with his, um, his order to perform community service by training her. Okay. Are, are we talking like three quarters of the way through the book? 80%, 20%. I think that's probably, it's actually about three quarters, a little, a little past half, somewhere between half and three quarters. <laughs> okay. Three right. That's fine. All right. That works. Um, at least to start with that works. Um, and then what's the, what's the consequence here? What, what she, you said she loses herself or becomes a, becomes a shadow priest. Ultimately. Why yes. is, okay. Why is that a negative? Well, it's a negative because she's, she's lost <clears throat> basically the good person that she was. Um, okay. or she thought she was, maybe she never was, but there is some goodness in her. There's some innocence in her as she's approaching this. Um, but it's all kind of thrown to the wayside for, you know, someone that she thinks she loves. Um, and something that feels good for the moment, but may not actually be. Okay. Because that sounds like to me an actually an interesting conflict set up for a trilogy. So you have you have your first book you know, forcing the conflict, your second book, forcing the choice and your third, your third book, you know, coming down to the consequence. So that sounds like a, since you've already said this is a multiple book series, yeah. that sounds like one way to go. Yeah. Um, okay. And do you have, do you have a sense of what the progressive complications are? What, what are the challenges that she's going to face along the way that will ultimately force her into this choice? As far as the the first book or throughout the series, let's just do the let's just do the first book. And usually there are two or three progressive complications and twists. Um, and you can say no, you don't know yet. Well, I I, yes. I do. I'm just trying to pinpoint because, she, like I said, she's going she's going back and forth. Um, you know, she she gets to a point where she is absolutely frustrated because she feels like she's getting a couple of inches and then all of a sudden she's stopped and there's nowhere else to turn. Um, you know, she's going back and forth to dragon dragons like, Hey, you know, you, you should look into this. She's like, okay, so tell me a little more. And he's like, Nope, sorry, go away. <laughs> um, and it, she, she struggles with that. Plus she's also struggling with trying to get, the immortal decide that he wants to survive and she doesn't understand why it has to be so freaking difficult. <laughs> so finally she kind of melts down and then the immortal's like, okay, I see you're trying really hard. Yeah, sure. Maybe I should. So she's like, okay, so that's the little nibble. And then she continues to try to push forward until She's like, this is all I've got left. She goes to the courts and she forces Dragon's hand um, because he basically, he's, he, he keeps telling her, no, you know, you, you, you can't 
do it this way. This is what you need to do, but you can't do it that way. She's like, okay, well, and like I, like I said, you know, I was using one of your quotes where don't accept no from somebody who doesn't have the authority to give you a lash or the authority to give you yes. <laughs> Sorry, I stuttered a little bit there. But basically, she's like, you don't have the authority to give me a yes. The courts do. The courts can give me a yes and force you to do what I want you to do. So do you have more, Catherine? I do have a few things. So. It's it's interesting. Now that I've totally run, run us off the rails. No, you haven't. So you're you're good. <laughs> and um, I'm sorry. I do have severe anxiety, so I like start to ramble and then ADD out. <laughs> you know what? All writers will word vomit. The the craft what I do is I pull the word vomit, I write you up notes that will explain exactly what you were trying to tell me. Yes. Cool. We'll get so, you we'll get you a copy of the notes as soon as Miss Catherine has them done. Thank you. <laughs> I do see um there's a really big like movement, especially in Disney, to write the villain stories. And I mm -hmm. feel from what you're telling me is that you are writing a villain story. You're writing how kind of. she becomes it, where it yeah. almost feels that she herself I mean, there's good in people. There's even good in villains. They believe that they are doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. But it also sounds like the amount of power that she wasn't allowed mm -hmm. to have being sheltered is too appealing for her to turn away. And now that she yeah. knows where she can get little bits from, she's going to go for it. And I feel that yeah. that's, that's how your, your story is playing out a bit. And you can see it almost in the colors where everything seems mm -hmm. to be um, not dull, but very monotone Earthing. almost with the amount yeah. of, yeah, like those earthy monotone colors. Whereas the mages have those bright colors. She mm -hmm. has that like almost want to move maybe in that direction of not having mm -hmm. that same monotone life that she's been sheltered into to move on mm -hmm. to that so you're showing that with your culture and your colors the type of magic that you have is pretty cool you've mm -hmm. got all of this broad magic that's like look at all these really cool things but the fact that people are maxing out on it automatically shows that somebody's got to start dipping and diving down and so mm -hmm. she's that person going to and she's pushing everybody else to do exactly what she wants, even though she thinks that that's the idea that you should be doing. She's like, this is right. right. We're healing this person. I'm learning this magic because there will be other people. But just because you think it's right doesn't mean that that's the right thing to be doing. So I feel like you've got right. a cool villainish story going on. Right. Well, the, the thing, thing that is... I had actually written down, the thing that I had actually written down several minutes ago was that this really is a fallen angel origin story. <laughs> sort of, sort of, yeah. Narrative, yeah. Where we think and that you know she's doing the right thing too. And I'm sure that she feels the the thing is is like near the end she really isn't the one, you know. <clears throat> Dragon and what's it's actually funny. I was taking some some advice from Mr. V Griffith uh, Griffith over here. Um, 
he's like, well, you know, maybe she's talking to, well, I I had gotten, I had gotten stuck. (laughs) I had gotten stuck. I was introducing another character way, way, way too early. And I'm like, this doesn't feel right. I'm struggling. So what do I do? He's like, well, maybe you should have her talk to somebody, maybe a pet or a cat. And I'm like, hey, dragons in this world at the same time, maybe they should meet. So I kind of threw them together. He kind of ended up not necessarily taking over the story, but he's definitely involved in about mm, two, two thirds of it. <laughs> so he has already been the one. Um, he 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 spent quite a bit of time researching alternative magic, which is how he ended up where he was. Um, so he is that one that finds out how to push it further. Um, he kind of just started to dive even deeper. So she's trying to actually get up to that level and then she falls. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah. he basically ends can, up leaving I, her in the dust. Yeah. And it's, it's a cool, it's a cool idea to do more of a, a fall of a character than to do mm-hmm. like, haha, you are the absolute hero. I like when, yeah. when you get to see the darker side of characters. I love him. And I don't know why I've always kind of been that way, but you know, I don't, I don't always feel, I, and I've always, I've always been sort of, I, I don't, I don't feel like everything is black and white. There's definitely, you know, gray. And as far as, you know, the villain, they think that they're doing good too. You know, it's just a different viewpoint. So yeah, they're the hero of their own story. Yeah. So <laughs> that was my thought anyway. Well, I'll definitely write up the notes along with other questions. So usually when I write up notes for people, I'll add in questions that I had where I'm just prying just a little bit more. It doesn't mean you have to answer me. It's just to get you thinking. And then I do have several different templates that I use with people. And I'll send you a bunch of those too. So you can flesh out more of the stuff and then it's all right there. So they'll ask you questions and you can flesh out things more as the answers come to you. They don't have to be all filled out. (laughs) That's what I tell people. It's like, you don't have to know. I'm a pantser. I love to pants. Outlining is the devil to me. (laughs) I'm an absolute pantser. I just like to world build and I know my character. And then from there, that's all I need to write my story. So I'll I'll send you some stuff and hopefully that'll help solidify some things for you too. Cool. Yeah, my thing is, I know my characters really well. I know what they would do in any particular instance, but the big things surrounding them, like their world, I've always had such a hard time with that. So any help that you can give me would be wonderful. (laughs) Well, yeah, I've got like 10 templates I can send you. (laughs) Cool. I've got magic stuff. I have spells. I have, you know, what does your city look like? I even have clothing. So I got you. (laughs) Cool. Cool. Alrighty. Then uh, we'll go ahead and end it here and catch up with you possibly next time. Thanks very much. Thanks. Stay magical.